The Pat Kenny Show on News Talk with Matter Private Network, Rapid Access Cardiology Clinic, Cherrywood. Your heart is your priority. Cardiac appointments within 24 hours. Now, this is Professor Luke O'Neill, Professor of Biochemistry at Trinity College in Dublin. Luke, good morning. Good morning, Pat. How's it going? It's going very well. Now, um, living with COVID, it looks like these variants are going to keep coming. Will we ever get back to normality? Well, it depends on what you mean, but I mean, it's just another infectious disease that's with us, basically. It won't go away. It's like, you know, obviously TB infected humans many hundreds of years ago, became a new disease, and then TB was there for forever, really. So so this, these coronaviruses will be with us into the future, including SARS-CoV-2. So now the talk is how do we prepare for this, in a sense, and make sure we can keep it under control? Uh, I mean, you were saying that uh, David Nabarro of the WHO is saying that we can expect surges every three to four months. Yeah, that was especially pessimistic, I thought, to be honest. But he's on record now as saying every three to four months there'll be another surge. Now, can you imagine into the future if we keep getting these surges and, and, and that may be the case? What can we do to mitigate? And of course, the, the good news, remember, Pat, is we know what to do. Uh, one way to think of it is in, in every medical textbook, there'll be a, a section on infectious diseases. There'll be a chapter on this virus now, you know, it'll add to the list of viruses that afflict us and the certain things that we can do. And obviously it's the usual things that we've been discussing for the past couple of years. So in other words, even though there will be surges, we know what to do to mitigate against them. Yeah. Now we have uh, the antivirals and we have vaccination and that vaccination looks like it's going to have to change every year with the variants and so on, just like the, the flu one yep. does. But you've been looking at a comparison between the, the mortality from flu versus the mortality from COVID and the news is not that great. Well, well, the truth is the vaccines have made it a bit like a severe flu is the way to think of it. You know, In other words, before the vaccines, it was much more dangerous than flu. There was a ten, you know, 10 times the infection fatality rate in one famous study that was done that was a bit high on the high side but certainly it was, it was much more dangerous than flu vaccines br- bring the immune system into play and therefore the danger becomes a bit like a very very severe flu we're still not fully sure if it's slightly worse than a severe flu or slightly less they're still looking at, but it's in that range like you, we've got to think of it now if you're vaccinated and you catch it or a new variant that comes along you'll have a potentially a very severe time with it and of course that means hospitalisation you see because and, and our current concern is the increased numbers ending up in hospital you know but at the moment we're, we have to view it as a severe flu that will be with us into the future. Okay, so there are things we we can do and uh, one of the I suppose the catch calls now is ventilation and the great outdoors. Yeah, for definite. Now, th- we know it's seasonal. Um, there's 200 viruses, by the way, Pat, that can cause respiratory diseases in humans. They're all seasonal. This includes all the common colds and the flus and so on. This is another one, number 201, if you like. And the best way to, to get the numbers down is the summer comes along and we're all outdoors. And this really works. And we know this with flu and colds and so on. Now, ventilation is key, Pat. I mean, what, what they're saying is we must invest in the infrastructure for great ventilation everywhere because it's not going to go away. And it will come back every so often. Ventilation is a great mitigator. So so every country now should be focusing on making sure we have appropriate ventilation in indoor settings. And of course, we saw some of that in Ireland, didn't mean the schools and so on. But for next winter, for definite, we've got to make sure that the, all the ventilation is really high standard because it will come back in the winter. Okay. Um, vaccination has worked. You've told us that many times that we'd be in bad uh, situation really here in terms of hospitalizations and ICU if we didn't have vaccination. But the whole world has got to be vaccinated. It has, yeah. And that's happening. There's good signs there for CEPI and COVAX. They're getting the vaccine out. But now, Pat, it's incredible. People, if most people, they wouldn't have, they've forgotten this, but there's still a massive effort to make new vaccines. There's 137 vaccines in development at the moment, which is incredible. Isn't it? You think it's very competitive between them. But now, now one of the 
disease or, or several will be a pan-coronavirus vaccine which will protect against any variant and that's what we need obviously and every winter then that's the one that would be used and Valneva you remember those Pat they're in Scottish yeah. they're in Scotland they're about to get approval I think they got emergency approval in Bahrain already that's the first sign the EMA is looking at it now as well so that's a pan-coronavirus vaccine so if Valneva make it which, which they probably will that could be the one that'll take over you know and the second and one the, the science of that Luke isn't it that you know we, we have had variations on the spike protein but this gets below that yeah. below the hood if you like and uh, that's where the vaccine is going to be effective it, against any variation it's, it's the whole virus it's an inactivate it's like an old fashioned vaccine in a way with polio we use the whole inactivated virus you see so in this case it's the whole SARS-CoV-2 virus with all its component parts so even if the virus changes a bit there'll be other bits there to make up the difference if you see what I mean so that, that's why we, we think it will be the first pan-corona virus vaccine but the second one Pat's really interesting AstraZeneca is coming back wait to hear this that, that was uh, much maligned as you may remember they're making an intranasal vaccine now and that means you squirt it up your nose now, now the reason why that's important is that'll stop you getting infected because the intranasal route will protect your nose as well as your lungs and then if it goes up your nose your immune system fights it so you never know that, that might come back as an intranasal option you see so we're calling these next gen vaccines by next winter I predict there'll be two or three of these next gen vaccines will be available and they will be even more effective than the ones we have at the moment yeah and the case for a fourth shot, a booster for vulnerable and other people, uh, because I talked to Paul Reid yesterday about it and he said, well, we're waiting for NIAC. Yeah, that's essential. This is, at the moment, at this phase of it, Pat, with the virus out there, as we know, the numbers are very high. We've got to get the third shot into people and then a fourth shot into the vulnerable as soon as possible, because all the evidence, and, and there was a, another study this week from Qatar. And by the way, the Qataris have got great data. They've shown you get a huge waning within four to six months, especially against BA2, the new one. And that's the one that's that's rampant. A 90% decrease in antibodies after four to six months. The T cells are holding up, though, to stop severe disease, which is good. But still, the boosters needed now to make sure that people, you know, who've, who, who are in line for the booster should get it as soon as possible, the triple shot. And then for the vulnerable and people over 60, I would advocate for, should get, should get the fourth shot. And that will really restore immunity against BA2. Now, for people who've actually caught uh, uh, one of the variants, it turns out that their natural resistance to infection is stronger than it might be with uh, just a vaccine. It is, yeah. That's an important study as well <coughs> from Qatar. So they've shown that natural infection does give great immunity. Now, now the problem there is that might put people off getting the vaccine. And, and they say this in, in the publication. They say, please still take the vaccine because natural infection is very variable. It can be weak. It can be strong. Some people get very sick, of course. You know, So the recommendation is still to be vaccinated. But even still, it's a good sign that natural infection is very good at giving us a a great response really so so in other words if, if you do get infected and you've been vaccinated that's a triple whammy because now both are working yeah. extremely well in your system you see but natural infection itself is, is, is definitely giving some protection Now people saying I got COVID twice uh, did they get the same variant twice? That's the, yeah. Is there science for this? There is indeed, yeah. Now, there's a really good study on other coronaviruses. Uh, there's four of them, apart from SARS-CoV-2, and, and they, did, they did a kind of retrospective analysis of this. It's very unlikely you'll get infected with the same one twice, is what this study tells us. So, for example, OC43 is another coronavirus. People rarely get that a second time, at least within a year or two. So what that means is, what's probably happening is, it's these new variants that are infecting us again. When you get a repeat infection, it won't be Delta, it'll be Omicron. Or it'll be BA2, you know, and, and that seems to be what's happening rather than a reinfection with the same one. And again, that's interesting, isn't it? So, so in other words, you, you will be protected with, with the dominant one that's around and you won't get that again. It'll be a new variant that you need to be concerned about. And of course, the pan-coronavirus uh, pan, pan, pan vaccine. vaccine will work against any of them. You see the idea there. Mm.
Now, uh, we're hearing reports of people who are talking about uh, gastric problems with uh, this latest BA2. And we're also hearing people getting that very, very sharp, almost like a strep throat, uh, sore throat. uh, And then they develop uh, COVID. But other people saying, I did the antigen test and I was negative and then I was feeling really bad. So I got a PCR and I came up positive on the PCR what might be the reason for that? Because we're great advocates of antigen testing if you're going to put yourself in a vulnerable situation. Uh, why why might people be not showing initially positive on an antigen and then showing up yeah. positive on a PCR and finally showing up positive on an antigen? Of course, our T-shock was in that position, wasn't he, Pat? He, he tested negative on the antigen and positive on the PCR. We think at the moment probably one in five who will be negative on antigen and positive on PCR. In other words, it's missing about 20%. Now, that means it's still catching 80%, remember, which justifies antigen testing hugely. But it looks like as if one in five is going to be a false negative. And why you know? might that be? I mean, is it like if you don't stick it far enough up your nose... Uh, or if you're using a throat one instead of a nose one or what? Yeah, but sensitivity is one issue. In other words, the, the level of virus is too low for the antigen. We know the PCR is much more sensitive a test, you see. So so one idea, that one, one possibility is that it's just less sensitive and it can't pick up the lower levels of virus. The more likely one is you don't get enough stuff out, basically. In other words, you've got to get a good sample. I mean, if, if you use the swab on your cheek, you're going to be negative, you know, because <laughs> it hasn't got up your nose. So you've got to get in where the action is, in a way, and then that's a more likely way than to detect it, really. So it's both, though, really. I think with the T-shirt, you know, he probably had a low level of virus and it was just insensitive, you know, and then the PC yeah, probably he Obviously, he had no ill effects at all. So uh, he may not have been infectious because yeah. he wasn't positive on the antigen. He may not have been infectious to anybody That's because right. he did. He had the Zoom summit with uh, Joe Biden. He's in Brussels today. Uh, you know, so it didn't put a stop to his gallop at all. No. And again, that suggested very low level of virus, you see, which wasn't causing any symptoms, you know. And then next thing he's negative on antigen and the, the PCR picks up the tiny amount of virus. They may change the guidelines on that eventually and say, look, the antigen test will suffice to let you go about your business. You know what I mean? And there'll be no need to do it. Obviously, in, in the US, they were insistent on a PCR on top, but it's so sensitive, it'll pick up like, tiny, tiny amounts and, and, and you're not infectious, you know? So therefore, why should you have to isolate? But that debate's happening now, whether the PCR is useful for that sort of thing. Um, now, this uh, text coming in, we mentioned we have antivirals. Can Pat ask Luke who is getting the antivirals? In America, they're available in chemists for people who test positive for COVID. Yeah, it's, it's tricky. I've had a few emails about this from people in hospital, relatives of people in hospital, and they can't get access to them, which seems strange, you know. I wasn't aware that there was a, some kind of block in the system. So I don't know what's going on there. I, I do. It's, it's up to the, doc, the consultants usually will be, be, be prescribing them, you know. But it doesn't seem to be quite as routine as it should be. So that needs to be looked at, I think, to make sure those antivirals are available because they're so powerful and, and they're safe. They've been in millions of people now, by the way, Pat, in the US, Paxlovid, because it's, it was approved, you know. So we know it's a safe drug to try. So I, there's, there's some kind of a hesitancy there, it seems, it seems to me anyway. Maybe someone would, would correct me. But I have had a couple, of, a couple of emails saying we couldn't get it, you know, in the hospital. Why, why can't we get access to it? So it's a strange one. Uh, if the masks available for protection would not be suitable for particles like MDF or cement dust on a building site, what possible protection could be offered to microscopic viruses? That's from Nolan Cork. Yeah, that's a good point. I mean, the, the main purpose of masks actually is to lower the dose you're emitting, if you know what I mean. So if you're infectious and you put a mask on, especially with the BA2, because that's so transmissible, a, a smaller amount will infect the person beside you and they'll have a less severe disease. And, and the reason for wearing masks is to decrease the pressure on the healthcare system, really, you know. So even if 
if it isn't perfect and bits get through, you know, you'll still have a lower dose infecting on the dart, say the person beside you. Now, of course, everybody should be wearing masks on the dart, by the way, to have cross protection, you know. But the masks are useful not just for completely being completely protective, but also to lower the dose of the virus. All right. uh, Last one. My four kids and husband have all gone through COVID over the last two weeks. I have a negative antigen every day and negative PCR. Why am I not getting it? As I have a sore throat and a bit of a cough, we're going on hauls in three weeks to the US. So really worried as I won't have a recovery cert like the others. Thank you so much. We, we need that person's DNA. The, about 10% of people, looks like at the moment, are completely resistant to this virus. In other words, they can be living with someone, they can be close contact, they never pick it up. Is it amazing? And we know this from other infectious diseases, by the way, there's this innate resistance in a certain percentage. It's genetic, basically, you know. Uh, one reason is that person is probably making loads of interferons, which are very powerful antiviral, natural antiviral proteins, you know. So that person's lucky. I mean, many people have coughs and colds at the moment, and it's not being caused by COVID, obviously, you know, and then they're testing negative. Yeah. All right, Luke, uh, thank you very much for joining us. Professor Luke O'Neill, Professor of Biochemistry at Trinity College in Dublin.